Not sure if you'll get a Christmas card this year. You'll get a bell. <laughs> so make sure everyone gets one. There's one for Anne as well. Yeah. So we're going to go to Isaiah again for the third of our Advent messages. Um, Isaiah 61. This is such a special passage in Isaiah. I absolutely love it. It's been really special for me for many, many years. It reveals something of the heart of God, something beautiful about the heart of God. It's, we say, the restorer, <laughs> the restorer of broken hearts. Now, this passage was written by Isaiah some 700 years, over 700 years before Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. So it's a messianic passage. I think that just blows your mind, like 700 years before he came along, and it's all about him. Now, these words would have been glimmers of light to those who had been in exile, this remnant who had kept hoping in a promised Messiah all those years ago. So they really were words of Advent hope to these people as they waited in the dark times of exile. Now fast forward over 700 years and these very words were preached in a synagogue in Nazareth and they made some people so angry that they wanted to kill the preacher. So there's something about these words. Fast forward again to 17th of December 2023. These words are just as significant for us today. There's something important for us today in our time, in our lives, in our families, in our community. Um, for every single, every single one of us, these words are important. And so we're going to look at these words together at this passage in Isaiah 61. We're going to consider their significance, what they tell us about the heart of our God. And we're going to end by considering two invitations and what our response might be to these two invitations that I believe these words represent to us this morning. So let's read Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 to start with. So Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Let's go now over to Luke chapter 4. So starting really um, from verse 16, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus, the Messiah, 
reading this messianic passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, mic drop moment. The Messiah is declaring who he is. And, you know, it took a little while for the penny to drop, the enormity of what he was saying, the audacious statement that he had just made. And they wanted to kill him. They didn't realize how privileged they were to be there on that day in that moment. So we're going to go in a few moments to Isaiah 61 again. But before we do, just look at where Jesus ended when he read from Isaiah. To proclaim, I have come, he said, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. The acceptable year of the Lord, the King James will say. And this, this, um, word acceptable or the, the, the year of the favor of our Lord. It comes from this word. I'm trying to get my Hebrew pronunciation. Rotzon. Rotzon. It comes from the, the Hebrew word, the root word delight. The year of God's pleasure. The year where he delights to show favor on his people. And what he's alluding to is actually to the jubilee. The Jubilee you will find in Leviticus 25. Everyone's favorite book, Leviticus. Um, but in the middle, in, in Leviticus 25, there's a little bit about the Jubilee. Now, the Jubilee was something pretty awesome in, um, well, it was supposed to be something pretty awesome in Israel's history. It was supposed to be performed every 50 years and kind of like a Sabbath of Sabbaths. It was like a massive extended Sabbath, a year where there was to be reversal of wrong, like a year of restoration, a year of release where people would have had their debts wiped out. Praise the one who has paid for our debt and raised this life up from the dead. So just to read a little bit from Leviticus 25, and this is what Jesus was alluding to. Not this historical jubilee, but a new spiritual cosmic jubilee where we can have a different kind of debts paid. The trumpet would have sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month and it started on the day of atonement, the day where we were made at one. We celebrate being at one connected with Jesus, our sins forgiven. On the Day of Atonement it started and the trumpet would have blasted throughout the land once in a lifetime, 
once in a lifetime. And it was absolutely life-changing. Consecrate the 50th year. It was a holy year. Proclaim liber liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. A year of freedom, a year of release. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is re to return to your family property and to your own clan. It was a year of blessing. And it was declared to be a holy year. And it was a year of blessing. Holiness is actually, I think we've got it all wrong. When we think of holiness, we think of grey, fusty, dull. But it's a blessing. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I've been praying just for a new vision of holiness. Um, I think with holiness and with God's holiness and with God's love, if we could truly grasp it and get, kind of get it, we're only scratching the surface of what these these concepts are and I think they are so wonderful that we can't get our heads around them um, so Jesus the significance of what he was doing in the synagogue that day was that he was saying this is the year of God's favor the jubilee starts here this cosmic jubilee something significant something life-changing is happening through Jesus <laughs> through his the start of his ministry and we are living in these times. You know, you hear people saying, like, these, these are awful times to be living in. And yes, they are. There's wars. There's rumors of wars. There are, there's so much pain everywhere we look. But these are also, like, we're living in the days of God's favor. The day of grace where we, our debts can be totally written off. This is really, really, really good news. Like um, the Jubilee, when you'd have heard that ram's horn, that was life-changing, that was massive. Um, and, and for us, the Jubilee horn blasts. And this is massive news for us because we can have our debt written off. We can be in relationship with a loving father, but more than that, it's more than the atonement. It's hope. It's healing, it's restoration. We're just we're so grateful for the atonement. We're so grateful we can ha have our debt written off. But more than that, there's hope for us. There's restoration for us. This, there is implications to us living in the day of God's favor, implications for us today in December, 2023. Um, I started this year, um, started this year praying for joy um, so that has been something this year that has really I set out at the start of the year Lord I just want more joy I want to understand joy more I want to experience more joy and you know you know when you're serious about it you actually assign a notebook to it so we've got a notebook joy a lovely notebook with joy on the front of it and I thought I'm going to go on this journey this year of I'm going deeper into joy and I want Lord to experience more of your joy and you know what as the year has gone on I have noticed that I have a word of 2023 a word that um, I am using a lot um, I've noticed it in my journals I was just flicking through this morning and it comes up again and again in my journals and it comes up in my thinking all the time as well and this word is privilege that's my word of 2023. I've used it such a lot. Um, and do you know, I think 
I think, I hope I can explain this because I feel like it's been such a revelation for me, is that there's a link between joy and privilege. And I think when we can recognize like how privileged we are, that it can unlock something within us, within our souls. Um, I listen to quite a lot of leadership podcasts and I listened to a guy um, probably a couple of months ago now, but it stands out to me. This guy has seen so many powerful things in his ministry. He has seen so much fruit. And he was interviewed on this leadership podcast and he was asked, um, you know, what, like, how, like, how have you done this? How have you managed 40 years of faithful ministry and you've seen God move? And this guy, a really unassuming guy, probably, you know, his name is not a household name. (laughs) This guy has seen so much fruit in his lifetime. He has seen God move in power. And, you know, over and over again, he just spoke about God's grace. He said, it's all grace. It's all a gift. It's all God. <laughs> the key is prayer and recognizing that everything I've seen in my ministry, it's all his grace. So, so what is grace? Because there's, the word gratitude comes from the word grace. And this year of Jubilee is all about grace. It's all about God lavishing his goodness, his kindness on us, because that's what God's grace is. It's his, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's, it's his beautiful kindness poured out on us when we receive something that we're not entitled to. Grace is a privilege. And when we realize that we are privileged, then when we recognize that we are so privileged to be living in the, in the year of God's favor, in this jubilee time, then that can unlock something of gratitude within us. Um, and as we realize the privilege and the gratitude erupts, that everything is of grace, everything. How privileged we are, it unlocks joy. I feel so privileged to be here this morning. I feel so privileged to be a part of this church. And that makes me grateful. I I feel so privileged to know each one of you, every single one of you in this room. I am so privileged to know you. And that makes me so grateful for each of you, every single one of you. I'm so grateful for you. And if I do get around to writing cards this year, I'm going to write that in the cards. I'm so privileged to know you guys. I'm so privileged to be your parents. I'm so privileged to be married to you. I'm so privileged to be up here speaking this morning. I'm so privileged to be God's child, to be living in the year of his favor, to know that he loves me. I am so privileged that he wiped out my debts, that he has given me beauty for ashes. He has put a crown upon my head of beauty for ashes. He has took away my shame because I'll tell you why Isaiah 61 is so special to me, because I was a mess, guys. I, my heart was shattered in a million pieces, and Jesus took those pieces, and he has just put me back together again. And he has 
loved me and he has never given up on me. And I am so privileged to be his child. And I know that I am loved this morning. And I know that he has taken away my debt and my shame. And it's took years and years for me to actually really, truly grasp it. I'm still grasping it. I'm still getting to grips with the expansiveness of his grace and how he truly makes you pure. And he truly washes you and cleanses you and loves you and puts his anointing and his spirit on you. It's mind-blowing. And we are Jubilee people this morning. I am a Jubilee woman living in the time of God's favour. And I know it. And you see when you get that revelation that he that his favour is on you, that he loves you. It is life-changing, just like this jubilee would have been life-changing in the days of the Israelites. This is absolutely life-changing. And so, as we realise that, like, the joy will come. (laughs) I have noticed, even in my times that have been really, really difficult this year, Once I can tap into this concept, this recognizing I'm so privileged, sensing his grace and his love, then even in your really difficult times, you can feel little trickles of joy just welling up. And this is really important because the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, God wants us to have his joy. It glorifies him. And here's a side note, actually, before I forget. Um, there's been so much research done over the last 10 years especially in this thing of gratitude and the effect of gratitude on the brain Um, and in 2004 there was this study done um, by these two guys Emmons and McCullough they've done quite a lot of of research in uh, on gratitude and they have um, they've even they wrote a little book uh, what's it called Um, The Little Book of Gratitude, it's called, actually. It'd be a lovely gift for someone for Christmas. Um, Research-based, how gratitude affects the brain. Gratitude changes the brain. (laughs) And what they found is that gratitude and um, anxiety, gratitude and fear, they can't exist in the brain at the same time. So, like, this is like a weapon we need to wield against the enemy of our souls. Like, the devil does not want us to know how privileged we are. He doesn't want us to be grateful because that will cause joy to erupt within us, which gives us strength. So let's tap into that. Let's um, get that weapon out and um, be people of gratitude this morning. So let's go to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So the first thing we notice, this Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit and so must we. And even this, um, this Spirit, this, uh, the wording of the Spirit being on Jesus, um, what Isaiah 
uh, the way Isaiah words it, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on him. In Isaiah 11:2, it talks about the Spirit of the Lord resting upon this Messiah. In Isaiah 42, it's, it talks about the servant and it says, I will put my spirit on him. So even this very wording, this is the, this is the Messiah. The Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So the poor, it's actually the oppressed, the poor in spirit, the spiritually poor. Those of you who have said, you know what, I'm done. I can't do life. Uh, I can't do it on my own. This word is for you. This is for you. It's for those that are done out, that can't operate without God. For people that think they're okay, you know, it's not such a big deal for them. But for us who know that without him, we're nothing, we're done. That's, that's who this is good news for. So there's a proclamation of good news to the poor. A proclamation to proclaim is to announce something significant, something important. So Jesus proclaims good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. When I looked up brokenhearted, it means literally broken in pieces, like beyond fixing. Is your heart broken in pieces this morning? This is for you. He heals broken hearts. He will take those pieces and he will put them back together carefully bandage them up, binds them up, nursing you and your heart back to life so that you can love again, so that you can feel again, so that you can feel joy again, so that you can keep going. Um, a lot of you will have heard of the Japanese art of kintsugi. Anyone that's interested in pottery will have heard of kintsugi. Um, this, these are so expensive. If you were go, to go and buy a genuine piece of kintsugi, this is where it was called a golden repair, where the pieces would have been carefully um, just placed back together and using gold. <laughs> um, I've tried, I've been making some kintsugi this year, but mine isn't real gold, but, um, or as, isn't as beautiful as that. But these are incredibly beautiful and that's just a beautiful um, example of the way the Lord comes and he just pieces us back together. And you know what, it's a process as well. Guys, you know, um, put your hands, your heart into the hands of this restorative, this loving, careful God. Um, your heart is safe in his hands, but often it's a process and he will use community and he will use people. Sometimes he uses counseling, he uses prayer. Um, he uses, there are things that God has set in place that he uses as means of grace, means of, um, of healing. And we need to tap into the way that he uses people and the way that he uses community. Um, and it's for his glory. Uh, you look at that piece and you think, wow, and the person that's done that is so skilled. And, you know, Similarly, as he pieces us together, it's for his glory. On down in Isaiah 61, it says, um, you know, that we are to be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We are to display his glory. And that's part of his will for our life, um, that we would display his glory. So reading on down in Isaiah 61, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
also to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Captivity is where you're imprisoned, but it's not of your own doing. You've been taken captive. And so maybe um, in many people that you will meet and many of us at times are held captive to sin and maybe through no fault of our own, through maybe a coping mechanism, um, or held captive to things that are destructive and unhelpful, I should say, but not of our own doing. Um, and maybe through others, maybe we've suffered through others' sin and for the brokenness that's in the world. Um, but there's release for you if that is the case. And there's release from darkness for the prisoners. Prisoners is that, you know, being imprisoned is different from being in captivity. Typically, prisoners, it's because of our own, our own mess, our own doing, our own mistakes or regrets, our own selfishness. And so even those things, those things that have imprisoned us that are our own responsibility, stuff that we are responsible for, we should have known better perhaps, but we've fallen into it. There's grace for us. There's release in this year of Jubilee for us who have been imprisoned to our sin through our own our own responsibility. There is release. I want to talk for a few minutes about this thing of freedom, <laughs> this concept of freedom. Are you walking in freedom? What is freedom? That's something I've been thinking about for a long time, actually. Um, are, you, are we walking in freedom? And what exactly is that? Um, and I think it's where we are not captive to lusts and desires and sins. But for years I've wondered about this and I didn't feel free. I, I didn't feel free because I didn't feel perfect. <laughs> um, and you know, we are not going to be perfect in this life. We are all works in progress, every single one of us. And I think till the day that we die, we will be. And I think I love what David Wilkerson, David Wilkerson has had a massive influence on our, mine and David's um, lives and there's so much wisdom from him but I love what he says he says the most important move that you will ever make is the one that you make the move that you make straight after you've failed God and I think this is wisdom this is a nugget of wisdom because so many people that I have met um, and I've been there too where you let God down um, and instead of running to him, you turn from him because you're so ashamed and you feel so bad. But the Father is waiting for us to just turn towards him. He wants to do us good. He wants to put the ring on our finger and throw a party for us. When we did the prodigal, uh, the story of the prodigal um, those weeks ago, you know, David said over and over again, he said, you know, we, I have no framework for how good God is. I think we can't get our head around it. He loves us and he wants to help us. Um, and I think embrace process. Um, with freedom, there often is process and there's untangling and unraveling and renewing of our mind. Um, you, so you, you will not always feel free, but there is release for you. There is joy for you. 
you, there is uh, through the year of the Lord's favor, through this jubilee time that we are living in today, there is freedom for each one of us. And God wants us to walk into that freedom. And that's where we will know his holiness. And there's that word again. And I was like, Lord, <laughs> I don't really want to tell everyone that God wants us to be holy because we get the wrong idea about that. But it's something glorious. He has, he's a good father. He's got something wonderful for us in this. But I think he's calling us more and more into holiness. <laughs> if we can just get this, I think maybe we need to have a study on this some morning and to really go deeper on this. And I pray, Lord, that you'll give us a new revelation on holiness. It's his best for us because he loves us. And over and over and over in Isaiah, we see his love, but we also see he wants us to be holy. <laughs> and holiness means set apart. Um, and as I thought about this, I thought, you know, um, it's where he is our primary attachment. That's counseling lingo. Um, he wants to be our primary attachment, our first love, um, where all other, we become detached from all other things and he is our first love. Um, and I guess a metaphor would be in marriage, you know, forsaking all others. I am yours, I cling to you. I give myself to you. And I think the Lord, he wants us to detach from all other loves, all secondary loves, because they're no good for us. And he wants us to come to him in a new way, back to our first love. And there's going to be joy there and freedom there and peace there. Um, and it's a call today to our church, an invitation, if you like, to holiness, to a real understanding and a revelation of that. And the irony of this um, is that we are more truly ourselves when we are embracing holiness. I want to tell you a story I read online. And like, I don't think it's a true story. <laughs> uh, it might be a bit ridiculous, but it shows, it, it kind of demonstrates this point. I want to tell you about a guy. Now, this was years and years ago before transatlantic flights were commonplace and this guy was traveling from Europe to the US and so he he didn't have much money and he scrimped and saved probably for years and he got enough money to get himself a ticket on a boat that was going across a, a cruise liner if you like it was going across and it would have took weeks to get to um, it would have took weeks to get to the US and traveling this way and this guy, he only just had enough money for the ticket. So he pleased, he got himself his ticket. He then got himself a big suitcase. He invested in a suitcase. And then what he did was he went and he bought a whole heap of cheese and crackers. <laughs> and he filled the suitcase. It might have been an ancestor of yours. <laughs> he filled this suitcase, packed it full of crackers and cheese. And... He got on to his journey, started his journey, long journey. And you know, everyone else was, every day at mealtimes, everyone else was filtering off to this banqueting hall. And this guy would have sat on his own with his crackers and his cheese, 
day after day after day. And he smelt, you know, every day he saw the others going in and he would have smelt the, the beautiful food, the, the banquet and the feast that they would have been having in comparison to his crackers and cheese. And he heard the other um, travelers talking about how, you know, they were going to have to go on a diet after they arrived in the US because the food was just so rich. Um, and, you know, it was agony. And at night he, he lay in his cabin and he dreamt about the food that the others were eating. And he was getting really sick of cheese and crackers, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> And towards the end of the trip, I think it was maybe a day or two before the, the trip, they were due to arrive in America. And this guy came up to him and he said to him, sir, I can't help but notice like every day you're sitting there with the cheese and crackers. He said, why, why don't you join everyone else? Why don't you come with us and eat with us? And the guy flushed with embarrassment. And he was like, to be honest, I only had enough money for my ticket. And there was a moment where the guy looked at him and he said, what? Didn't you realize it's all included? It was all included in your ticket. <laughs> you had every right to be dining with us in that banqueting hall. There was a seat for you at the table. And, you know, it's a silly story, but there's an invitation for us. And it's not to cheese and crackers. It's to a, a feast, a, a banqueting hall. I want to read Isaiah 55, and I told you there was an invitation this morning. Isaiah 55, there's an invitation for us. Because we're Jubilee people, and we're living in the year of Jubilee, where it's the time of God's favour. And it says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Jesus has paid it all. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost, because Jesus has paid it all. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, listen to the invitation. Eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me and listen that you may live because what this jubilee life that God calls us into, it's true life. The richest of fare. And there's an invitation for us. And throughout the rest of Isaiah 61, we see the new creation, glimmers of the new creation unfolding. In the Bible Project, they talk about the seven acts of new creation that we see in Isaiah 61. And it culminates at the very end in the vision of a new Eden, new heaven and new earth, where, every, where righteousness abounds. And the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah 61 is at the end of the age. And we see through the rest of Isaiah 61, the beautiful character of God and the heart of God. And if, as we are filled with his spirit and we are jubilee people and we are praying for his kingdom to come, we catch his heart and his vision for Isaiah 61 because this is where our citizen, citizenship is. We have the spiritual DNA for Isaiah 61. Just to pick out a couple of verses 
go later on and have a look at Isaiah 61 and just meditate on it. It'll do your heart good. But just to pull out a couple of things. It's to comfort the day, the, day, the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. Because it's not good news for those who are oppressors, for those that are the, the ones that, that have been taken advantage of the poor. It's not good news for the devil. It's to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Remember we did the Rebuilders series and David made the point, he said, you know, as, as kingdom people, our calling card is to be rebuilders. We're to restore the places long devastated and renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. On down in verse 7, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. Everlasting joy will be ours. Look what it says. It says, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. It says in verse 8, it says, In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. On down it says, All who see them will acknowledge there are people the Lord has blessed. And then the most famous part of this um, passage, it says, He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. A beautiful robe of righteousness is ours as we enter in to this jubilee. <laughs> as Jesus started his ministry on earth, that was his manifesto. And he's someone that is true to his word. You know, we hear many manifestos and they're not adhered to. Jesus is true to his word and his manifesto was led out when he said and he declared the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. But do you know what his last words before he was taken up in, in Acts, 8, Acts 1 verse 8? Jesus' very last words, he said, you, that's us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit who came on me is going to come on you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so that's our, that's our second invitation this morning. It's a job invitation. We've been invited to proclaim the Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favour, the year of grace, to proclaim to people that their debts can be forgiven, that they can be free People, that what does this community need? <laughs> it needs new buildings. It needs um, needs more counselling. Let's face it. Yeah, it needs um, some new shops. It needs a whole facelift. This community. But you know what? Before all that, more than more than anything else, our community needs Jesus. It's Jesus first. And so we can't pour from an empty cup. We have to drink first. We have to. 
we have to go and um, drink and eat and be filled with Jesus and filled with his spirit. And then I love this quote from N.T. Wright. He says, this Advent hope, as he speaks about Isaiah 61, he says, this Advent hope turns into an Advent vocation as we are invited into his mission and his manifesto to see broken lives healed and to declare the year of the Lord's favour. Another quote from a book that was uh, given, um, given by Caitlin um, through her studies at the Bible College, and she's kindly given it to us. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely book, but this quote jumped out at me. It says, Only as individual church members are won over to the vision of a God who seeks and saves the lost, who heals the brokenhearted, and who yearns to impart his holiness, there's that word again, and wholeness to our fragmented and broken selves. Only as church members get it will that church be able to fulfill its service to God and the world. And that quote is by a guy called David Da Silva. So as we close, if we could just catch how he feels for the people in this community, the people that we meet from day to day, people that we see on the street, if we can just catch how he feels and position ourselves to release his love and proclaim the good news, I think that would, that would be life-changing for so many people. And so with any invitation, there has to be an RSVP. So what's it going to be? Today, he calls us to come and drink, to embrace holiness, to cast aside our cheese and crackers, to embrace the process, to put our broken selves into his hands, allow him to make us holy and whole, an oak of righteousness for the display of his splendor. What an honor that would be. He invites us today. Is it going to be a yes? (laughs) And can we, number two, take up the manifesto of Jesus? And this is why I've put bells into each of your hands today. Because the good news, the bells that need to ring out on Christmas Day are the fact that Jesus has come and we are Jubilee people and it's the year of God's favour. It's a time of his grace where our debts can be wiped out and you can be made free and made new. So in the power of the Spirit, let's take up the invitation and let's ring our bells in our communities and with the people that we that we uh, that we meet and that we know so let's worship and let's pray